Hi, my friend. In case you missed last week's episode, we had talked about the giveaway and I'd given all the details about it. So stay tuned through the episode to learn more about what you're going to win and how you can enter. This is the Decoding Obesity Podcast, where we simplify, demystify, and decode obesity, helping you lose weight and feel great. So gear up for a fascinating journey through this ever-evolving field, and let's see what we find. And please remember that the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice. Don't forget to visit our website, www.decodingobesity.com, for show notes and more info. And now, here's your host of the Decoding Obesity Podcast, Dr. Avishkar Sabarwal. Hi, my friend. Welcome to this episode of the Decoding Obesity Podcast. We have talked about how mindset plays a big role in weight loss. My next guest lost over 200 pounds by changing her lifestyle. But I think that all started with changing her mindset first. Jamie Morgan is a leadership, organizational, and human experience strategist and coach in the healthcare industry. Let's learn more about her by bringing her on. But before that, I want to request you to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts if you haven't done so already. This will really help spread the word. The few minutes you spend writing me a review will really help this podcast reach many others who will benefit from this. All right, let's bring Jamie on. Welcome, Jamie. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, Avishkar. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. This is so amazing. I mean, you've lost over 200 pounds. Wow. About 240 now, yeah. Oh my God, that's amazing. All right, so let's just dive into your story. I mean, I'm sure my listeners are just waiting to hear your story. So when did your weight really become an issue for you? You know, in the womb. (laughs) (laughs) My mom liked to tell me the story that I didn't become overweight until I was probably three years old. But I look at pictures of myself as an infant, and I definitely showed overweight even then. I see. So did you have any phase in your life where you were lean or it was throughout your life you've been on a, on the heavier side? Yes, throughout my life. Again, I heard stories growing up. You know, my parents would tell me that I nursed and I was old enough to nurse and I was going to my mom more often than a child needed to nurse, even at a very young age. The doctor had her starting to wear, you know, overalls and things. So I couldn't climb up to nurse. Oh, wow. Because I was Yeah, I was a little, you know, I like to say, you know, very, very food driven, food seeking at a very young age. I see. And so what changed? I mean, if you've had this throughout your life, what really caused you to have that moment where you decided that something was not right and you needed to change something? Well, I was in my 30s. This was 2008. And I had had a lot of compounding factors sleep apnea, you know, high triglycerides, pre-diabetes, complete joint pain. Of course, you know, life was extremely uncomfortable and difficult physically. And then I had started having panic attacks and anxiety issues and they wanted to do a stress test. And the cardiologist came in and said, you know, there's something wrong with your ejection fraction in your heart. Has anyone ever spoken to you about your heart? And I had years before taken diet pills for about two years. And I thought, I told him, of course, and I I thought for sure it was related to that. And he said, well, let's put you on the table and give you a cath. 
So they snaked up a calf through my leg into my, you know, arteries and looked in my heart. And he said, the test was wrong. Everything's clear. And I just, this was December of 2008. And I remember thinking that is a gift. There is no way. I mean, I'm 400 plus pounds. There's no way I should have clear arteries. I don't know why I do, but I need to do something because if I don't, I'm not going to make it to 40 Wow. or through my forties. I mean, I really didn't think I would. <laughs> yeah. So what did you do? Did you try anything that failed and what happened? Before that point, I had tried everything. I had tried all the fad diets. I had tried all of the the programs and the the big, you know, national programs and the small little coaches and everything in between. I had taken diet pills and I had gotten my weight down considerably, considerably to a healthier range. But of course, I had no idea how to truly eat or take care of my health. It was all just white knuckled and relying on the medication to take away my appetite. I had considered bariatric surgery um, strongly, and I knew that I could snake my way through the insurance approval process and get it. But from I knew that if I did, I wouldn't really, for me, I wouldn't really learn what I needed to learn to sustain the change. And I didn't want to do that to myself. I didn't want to set myself up for that kind of outcome long-term and then on top of it have altered physiology. Right. And, and that would be very difficult. Extremely. So when I, you know, got that clean bill of health, which was kind of a joke because I was, you know, 400 plus pounds, but it was a clean bill of health. As far as I was concerned, I realized it was, a, it was a second chance and I needed to make something of it. So I immediately began assembling a team. I found a dietitian. I needed to learn how to eat as a normal, healthy human eats. I needed to learn what and how much to eat. I found an excellent counselor that helped, you know, start to unpack all of the things of life that, you know, send us to the food. And I just began to move more naturally and eventually found, a, you know, a really great fitness community that I plugged into some mentors there, some mentors in the cooking and kitchen space that taught me lots about food prep, and then eventually a personal trainer. And that was you know, many years in the making, right? But that's where the journey led me. So I had this sort of team right around me. And since that point in 2008, I've had a team around me. They look like different people and they are, but they're still my team that supports me. And now it's more of a symbiotic relationship than it is me learning from them. And so when I began, I just knew that not only did I know that I was going to do it, I knew I was going to do it without any shortcuts or quick fixes. And so that instinctively, I knew it was going to take a very long time. And I was right. It took uh, four years to lose about my first 200 pounds. Wow. And it is exactly the way it should have been. <laughs> <laughs> So when did you realize that you were addicted to food? I mean, you had that food-seeking behavior throughout your life, right? Mm -hmm. So when did you really realize that there was something that was off? Well, a very young age. You know, I remember sitting in front of the TV on Saturday mornings, watching cartoons, eating cereal, like the box of cereal, the, the milk, and me. And it, I was with my friends, right? I was watching the cartoons who, whose commercials were selling me the cereal that I was eating and I just felt like I'm here, I'm doing it. And that's, I know I was getting programmed and I was getting addicted. You know, the actual reaction of my body was taking place. The, the pathways were being 
loaded in my brain from the programming and the dopamine response in my body. And it was that I believe was a huge part of my age, the programming on television, the processed food environment that was booming at the time. You know, it was the eighties and this was when processed foods were just growing exponentially. And I was, it was this perfect storm coming together for the children of the late seventies and early eighties. And I was one of them. I noticed that I just ate more than anyone else in the family all the time. I ate more than my friends. I wanted to eat more than I ate. And it was like, I don't want to say it was an insatiable hunger. At times it was, but it was um, just something I was driven to do. I couldn't put it into words. And when it got to a point where people started talking to me about it, loving, caring, members of the family, doctors, they would tell me, just push away from the table. Just eat half of your usual portion. And I'd look at them like, if I could do that, I would be doing that. Like, I know, I don't know why I can't stop, but I can't stop. And I was at a family party in my early teens and uncle or an aunt gave me a sip of an alcoholic drink, you know, at the, at the table. And I remember thinking, oh, that is, that tastes gross. Uh, dessert tastes way better than that. And that was like that juncture, right? Where I, I remember this is the point where I could either become an alcoholic or I could stay the food addict. And I just was straight food all the way. Alcohol to this day doesn't even register. I see. So when you realize this, what did you do? I mean, you mentioned you tried various things in the past to help you lose weight. So what did you really try to do this time when you realized that this was this intense desire to seek food all the time? How did you start tackling that? Well, I went through a phase of trying to control it. And then I went through, you know, after a sudden death of my mom in 2004, I just unfortunately just let everything go. And I was already, you know, very, very overweight at the time. And I gained in the span of four years, I gained probably 150 pounds. And I just ate whatever and whenever I wanted. And I was in my 30s at the time. It was self-destructive, no doubt. It was self-destructive. And I knew it and I think I wanted it to be. It was sort of that bottom when it came to that the food behaviors I had. And by 08, when I started my recovery, I feel like I had known the depths and the darkness of the addiction and I wanted out. And I wanted out in a way that I could sustain because all the diet plans and all the all the programs and all the special foods, they weren't sustainable. And I didn't in my heart believe that for me, surgery was sustainable. And so I just, when I began working with the dietitian and the counselor, they were all about just one step at a time, one meal at a time, one visit at a time. Let's just unpack and learn and do together. And that's what I did. And that's what I needed. I needed just to relax and just do the work. And it really my dietitian after the first visit, you know, sent me out into the world and I looked at her, turned around and looked at her. I just been armed with everything she needed me to know for my first, you know, week or whatever out in the world as a woman trying to regain her health. And I looked at her, turned around, looked at her and I said, do I have to start now? <laughs> I was like, right now, like I'm going to go out to eat. Do I have to start right now? And she said, yes, that's why you're here. You have to start right now and you want to. And I remember at that very first meal, I remember exactly what I had. I remember where we were, what I, you know, what restaurant. And I remember I ordered 
the meal that I had talked to her about. I ordered that meal that the one that put me on the path towards health and I ordered it. And I remember thinking this stinks <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to do this, but if I don't, I'm going to die. And so I just kept doing it. And that was my why at the very beginning was I don't want to die young and I'm going to. Wow. <laughs> so uh, when you were doing this work, I'm sure there was a lot of mindset work involved with that, right? Mm -hmm. Did that unravel any emotions in you or did you realize some things about you that you didn't know before that? Oh, yes. So um, at the very beginning of my, actually before my journey, somebody very wise said to me, you know, I said, I'm very sick. I said, I have a lot of weight to lose and I, I don't know what to do, but I think I need to do this. And I think it's time. I think I need, you know, to regain health or gain my health. And this person said, you're not only going to do it, you're going to completely, your entire life is going to change because you're going to do it. And that was almost a prophecy, right? And because everything did every single aspect of my mindset, my approach to life, my self-talk, my self-love, my personal interactions, career, my marriage, everything changed everything changed and it all needed to because there is very there's only a few parts of me that are exactly the same and they are the parts of me that are i was born with my natural joy my positivity my people skills my love of loving people you know i just love loving on people the, all of those things that i was born with are here now in spades but for 30 plus years of my life they were covered up that's very profound. You know, there are a lot of times people don't realize that mindset is the first thing that you really need to change before you can start doing anything. And I, even for uh, surgery, for example, there's a lot of counseling that needs to be done and you need to really prepare for it because you're actually changing the physiology of the body and yeah. that's going to stay with you for the rest of your life. So you really need to be very, very prepared when you do this, right? So of course, it wasn't easy for you, right? Losing 240 pounds is not easy. So what kept you motivated throughout this? So I heard this great phrase and it's for me, it's true. I didn't know how to articulate it, but the phrase is you have to find the why that makes you cry. And that would be that foundational element. So when I started, it was the why that made me cry was, oh my gosh, I'm so scared. I'm going to die young. And that was, that was the first mode. That was the first phase of my journey's motivation. And the next phase of the journey, it became okay, I've lost some, you know, some weight. I'm on this path. I'm a few years in. I didn't know into what. I just knew I was a few years down the road. And I remember I was in this new smaller body and I, I'd lost about 200 pounds and it was this punctuation mark in the journey. And I remember thinking I'm way healthier. My whole social life has changed. My career has changed. I was in a, just a different mindset about everything. Why am I still so empty? You know, I, I wasn't going to food anymore, but I was still so empty. And I remember I began seeking and I needed a new why. And I thought, you know, my why now is, is evolved. It's not just because I don't want to die young. It's I have a whole life and a purpose for my life ahead of me now. And I need to find out what that purpose is and do it. So that's what I need to focus on. So that's when all of these things began to unfold is about 2014 or so when all these things began to unfold where i was being very clearly shown that i had done this transformation to be able to show others what was possible 
And I just at the time thought it was a physical thing. Like, look, you can lose weight and, you know, you could lose a lot of weight and it's amazing. And it is. But it's so much more like me helping others see what's possible is way bigger than just what we look like or what the number on the scale says. It's how deep and wide and whole your life can be and change when you surrender to the process. No, yeah, I think that's very profound. What that the fact that you said that you know your why changed, mm-hmm. and that's very important to understand that what you think will happen, say ten years from now, when it's ten years from now, it might not be the same thing, and you might be having a different goal, and goals yeah. evolve over time. But I think what's important is to find the most pressing quote unquote why that you have right now, and start with that because you'll never find the absolute why as to what's going on and what's supposed to happen. But I think what's most pressing right now is should be the why that you start with. Yes. And that why I really believe strongly that why should should elicit a visceral response in our bodies and our hearts when we think about it. Like my why now is even a little bit different than the one from a few years ago. It's even more evolved. All right. Let's talk about the giveaway now. So like I mentioned last week, the giveaway is actually a 30-piece sampler pack by this amazing company called Atlas Bars. I ordered their bars online through Amazon and I really like them. So what I did was I reached out to them and I asked them if they would be willing to sponsor a giveaway for you all so that you can enjoy these bars as well, just as much as I did. And they were gracious enough to agree. So they have agreed to the grand prize of a 30-piece sampler pack, which is valued at $75. To enter the giveaway, you have to go to www.decodingobesity.com forward slash giveaway and you can just enter there. Just bear in mind this is only for US listeners because they do not ship internationally. So if you're in the US and you're listening to this podcast, make sure you go to www.decodingobesity.com forward slash giveaway to enter. And remember, you can actually go in and get more entries every day. Additionally, if you refer this to other people and they register using your link, This in turn will increase your chances of winning the giveaway. So make sure you register and make sure you get your friends and family members to register as well. Well, best of luck and I hope you win this grand prize. Oh, one thing that I forgot to mention was that I will be announcing the winner on the next episode. So make sure you listen to the next episode to know if you won. In case you forget to listen to my episode next week, which you should not, or you miss it for whatever reason, I will also be emailing the winner and I will also be announcing on my social media. And also, one thing that I forgot to mention was that you will get a prize just for participation. So even if you don't win, if you just participate, there's a prize for you. I will not be disclosing the prize just yet. I just want to make sure that you participate. All right. Good luck, my friend. So what happened in the interim? I mean, it was a long journey for you. I'm sure you must have had a lot of ups and a lot of downs as well. So what struggles did you face really throughout this? Well, you know, my dietitian, who is also a very wise woman, and she's my dietitian off and on for the entire 13 years I've been in recovery from this disease. And she told me, your whole social network will change. And I said, why? I love my friends. And she said, okay, what do you like to do together? And everything, all of my answers revolved around food. And she said, where do you like to go on vacation? I said, well, we go to here, here or there and, you know, whatever I but they were all food related vacations. She said, you know, people can take vacations that aren't related to food. And I just looked at her like, why would anyone want to do that? You know, I just, my whole life was revolved or had revolved around food. I didn't get it. So my social circle changed. That was painful. 
There were friends that I had dear friends that when I changed physically, they sensed that rift because I was doing things differently. I was eating differently. I was moving differently. And there was some resentment on their part, some jealousy, maybe some distance that was put between us. And then, you know, we grew apart. And then of course, you know, made new wonderful friends and all these new activities and things that I was doing with my life. But yeah, that was a painful and it still is. These are lovely people and I, and I wish them well, but when the things you have in common most don't unite you anymore, there really is, there's nothing to really share on a regular basis, friends. And I think there was a reason for that. And also the research that I understand now around social circles and the way that they, the way that they influence your health. If I wanted to hold on to my health and I did, my social circle had to change. I would also say a very, very sad you know, piece of collateral damage from my journey was a divorce. And I, um, you know, a lovely, sweet man that I was married to also, uh, you know, struggled with weight and, and severe obesity. We both lost a bunch of weight and I knew I had a lot of work to do so that I wouldn't gain mine back. I knew because that was part of what I really wanted to learn long-term was how to sustain my health. And not even sustain it, but, you know, keep evolving it ideally. And he wasn't in that mindset. And so when I was seeking and growing and changing and evolving, he was in a, in a place that he was comfortable with. And, you know, that physical rift between us got larger. And so we decided, you know, to part amicably. And it was, as you can imagine, even though it was amicable and loving, it was very painful and very sad. And I never thought that when I was told that my whole world would change, that that included my marriage, but it did. Wow. So, I mean, food addiction affected your relationships also in a great, great way. And I think obesity does that to people, right? I mean, when you are suffering from obesity or when you lose the weight, you do change and the people around you look at you differently and things do change when stuff like this happens. So how do you manage your food cravings now? What happens? Do you get them at all or not? What changed? How do you change your mindset around this constant food seeking behavior that you had? That's a good question. And, you know, when I realized that someone asked me once what the biggest benefit of my recovery is, and I answered that it was that peaceful, calm state that I'm in all the time that I never had before or, or didn't have often. However, the peaceful place that I live in is that's recovery for me. And when I lose that piece over something or someone, I realize, okay, there's tools I have to get it back. However, when I think about the piece that I have, it's because I don't have the food monkey on my back. And that food monkey was on my back since I was climbing up my mother's blouse, unfortunately, as an infant or a toddler. And that food monkey is off my back because I finally understood what processed foods were doing to my brain and craving system and my body overall. And so when I removed, which was a journey, it didn't happen overnight. But when I finally removed all the processed foods from my life, it was like, finally, this monkey that had been riding my back all of my life was gone. I was calm. I was clear minded. I was, my cravings went away. My leptin resistance started healing right i didn't know that what that's what was happening but i remember all of a sudden my hunger and satiety signals like somebody turned up the volume and i heard them for the first time in my whole life 
I knew exactly when I was full and exactly when I was hungry. And I knew what real hunger felt like and what head hunger or emotional hunger felt like. I knew when I was craving something just to eat versus true physiological need. And I also knew instinctively the kinds of foods my body needed. I instinctively knew I need a whole food protein, more protein. Like my body told me it was like this connection between my mind and body became sound and secure and loud. And I heard exactly what I needed all the time. And I never had that. I never trusted my, my head never trusted my body because it was constantly demanding things I knew weren't good for me. Yeah, it's basically about eating the whole foods, right? We often say that you should try and eat what your grandparents ate or what your great grandparents ate. And unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately, processed foods or the ultra processed foods actually do funny things to your brain that cause you to kind of seek them more. Yes. So what is your favorite healthy food to eat? Mm, Broccoli. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of broccoli. I love it. If you open my fridge now, you would see the most food you'd see in there of one kind is broccoli. All different ways in all different, you know, styles. Strange answer, but it's true. I also, a close second is probably mangoes. I do oh, wow. love a good mango. So Yeah, I'll be honest. I love broccoli too. I mean, I love oven roasted broccoli. That's like one of my favorite things to eat. <laughs> so that's amazing. What is your least favorite thing to eat that's healthy? Oh, You know, it's interesting. I used to think it and I hear it from a lot of folks that say, oh my gosh, I could never go whole food because my choices would be so limited. And I laugh and I think, you know, now I look back on that mindset that I used to have and I think, oh my gosh, like my foods, there's so many to choose from and I love all of them. Like I don't really have one that I really don't like. It's really not one I could think of. (laughs) Maybe pomegranates or kiwis. (laughs) I see. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> no, that's great. I mean, if you enjoy whole foods, that's what really is important to have a variety of whole foods, not just stick to one. And that's also important to understand. So, you know, we have a lot of variety as far as these whole foods go. The problem is that you have to process them in a way, by processing, I mean, you have to cook them. That's a process mm-hmm. in itself. So in the beginning, it can seem overwhelming, right? So did you get like culinary training to kind of start doing this at home or how did you do it? So I'm Italian and growing up food and cooking were taught to, at least in my family, they were taught to us. They were a rites of passage. They were also, you know, indications of, you know, as you aged, you learned new recipes or new skills and in the family to make sure that you could pass on the recipes. It's unfortunate in a lot of ways, not to dishonor my family, but I don't pass on the recipes. (laughs) But I do have a a skill set that is, I just have an instinctual skill set that I've either acquired or just it's in my brain already from observation of from years of seeing my family, the cooks in my family. So once I had the foundation of the culinary skills, I began to learn how to cook all of these new foods or at least the whole foods in healthy ways. And I'll tell you, I, at first I resented the food prep portion or the cooking I did every week because I would do a lot. I would do huge batch cooking. I would, and I would do it in more complicated ways than it needed to be. (laughs) And I was in grad school and working full time at the time. And so I packaged a lot of my food, you know, in in little Ziplocs or whatever I was using. And so it, it became an assembly line. 
and it was a lot of work. So I think I resented that, but I knew, so that was a few hours on a Sunday. And I knew that for the next six days, all I had to do, I didn't have to think, I just had to go in and grab all my little Ziplocs out of the fridge, pop it in my cooler and go. And I didn't have to think for the rest of the week. And that was a big deal. So for me, it was like short-term pain. It was long-term gain. And that was the, that was the theme of my recovery. Short-term pain is long-term gain. And to this day, when I food prep, which is now a much, much simpler process, but when I food prep, it's like, this is setting me up just like my workouts every day, set me up for success. This is just a non-negotiable, like brushing my teeth or taking a shower or moving my body every day. Prepping my food is non-negotiable. So do you prepare your meals for the week beforehand or do you do it like every day? So the pandemic changed things. It used to be, I would prepare them for the week and now, and I would prepare, you know, the lunches, right. To take with me or whatever components of snacks or breakfast I needed. I would take, you know, prepare them and have them in the fridge ready to pull into my cooler every morning. Now working remotely with the pandemic for the last year, it's been, or almost a year, it's been, uh, you know, everything in the fridge in containers that I'll pull from, but I am such a creature of habit. So I have a, a good skill set. I find I don't really, you know, exercise it that much because I, it's just me and it revolves around foods that I know I eat, you know what I mean? Every day kind of without fail because I'm such a creature of habit and until my body tells me it's not working anymore it works so what do you do in the restaurants then I mean restaurants they have to make the food delicious right yes so restaurant meals are you know it's interesting when I went through my divorce and moved back to New Jersey I realized that you know finances were tight I needed to make sure that I you know reined myself in and one of the easiest ways for me to do that was to not go out to eat so for years, I just don't, I maybe once a week I'll eat out. And when I go, I have gotten very good at telling the server exactly what I need and how I need it. And I'm very kind and loving about it, but I'm, I always say, what's the chance I think I'm going to have to send this back when it comes out. And I kind of play a game, you know, so I never go to the restaurant that hungry because I know that I might have to send my food back for a second round of prep. And I'm very clear about what I want on the plate. And I also know that no matter how kind I am, no matter how good of a job they do, the food will come out with oil. It will come out with, you know, things on it that I don't necessarily eat. And that's okay. I don't need to be fastidious about it. I just need to know that I do my best when I order and enjoy it and enjoy the company that I'm there with because I, I don't go out to eat by myself. So I out with people, enjoy it, enjoy the experience, enjoy the whole sensory experience. Don't for, don't just focus on the food. Right. That's very important to understand that, you know, this is more about a social experience rather than just being about food. Totally. And before it was always about the food. And I'll tell you, my pendulum swung, right? So my pendulum, I call it, is that pendulum of addiction, right? So it swung from, I just throw caution to the wind and I'm going to eat whatever I want at the restaurant and who cares. The more heavy calorically dense things on that plate, the better. And then it swung to the other side of, you know, I have to restrict everything and I cannot possibly have a, you know, a, an extra little dip of oil. Oh my gosh. And now it's somewhere in the middle where I'll do my best to order. If it's really egregious, I'll send it back. And if not, I'm just going to enjoy, enjoy who I'm here with and, and enjoy the food. And if there's consequences, of them that maybe I don't feel that great or something and, you know, maybe uh, irritates me in my stomach after a meal out. It is what it is. And I don't get 
upset about it. I don't get worried. I just think, okay, that's feedback. And I make it about the experience instead of the food. Yeah, that's great. What advice do you have for others who are on their weight loss journey and, you know, having difficulties with food per se and their thoughts being food centric? Mm. If you have food centric thoughts or have the food monkey on your back, it's because in my experience, you have foods in your house or in your life that are addictive and know that it's not your fault that you're addicted to the food. It just like it wasn't my fault. This was this addiction was given to us by the food industry. It is a severe addiction. It started at a very young age and it was done to us deliberately. And so I would tell someone, if you have it on your back, first of all, let go of the shame. It's not your fault. Look at what you're eating and slowly or quickly, whatever you're ready for, take those processed foods out, see how you feel. And you'll watch a lot of those cravings fall away. The way that I did it before I was able to pull the processed foods out was I would have a ratio of a processed food, let's say maybe, um, you know, that we went out to eat at a Chinese restaurant and I knew that there was obviously, you know, sauces and oils and all kinds of things that it wasn't used to eating, or I was at the time used to eating in my, in my dish, I would ask for a side of a steamed vegetable to put in there to kind of stretch the processed food out a little bit more so that I would get fuller on less. The same with pizza, go out for pizza. I would order a big, you know, raw salad undressed, and I would literally just dump it on top of the pizza. And I would eat the, you know, this big raw salad on top of pizza and I would eat less pizza. So I was playing with the principles of calorie density back then. I just didn't, I just didn't know I was doing it. And that actually helped a lot. So if I wanted dessert at a family function, I would make sure that it was like super high quality, homemade, amazing dessert, because I thought that was worth the indulgence. And what I would do is I would take one small portion of the dessert and then I would eat two or three pieces of fruit and it would keep me from having too much of something that I knew was going to take me away from my goals. So I did that for many years. Unfortunately for me, the food monkey still stayed on my back and I got tired of the monkey being there. So when I pulled the processed foods completely out, including homemade processed foods, then it, it just became effortless. Right. Well, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much, Jamie, for sharing your story. If there's any specific topic that you would like me to discuss here, please do let me know. You can write to me at host at decodingobesity.com. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening in. I'll see you all next time. You've been listening to the Decoding Obesity podcast. Please remember, the information in this podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely of the host and his guests and do not constitute medical advice. Views and opinions on this show do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of any organization. And that brings us to the end of the show. Thank you so much for listening in. Don't forget to visit our website, www.decodingobesity.com, for show notes and more info. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. Until next time.